Wagwan people, it's your boy Mo, aka the Hoop Genius, back with another episode of the Hoop Genius podcast. Today, BJ's not in the house. I've gone into the archives and I've pulled out a very, very special podcast that we recorded last year but never got to share with you guys. And I just thought now in the off season, it would be a cool time to share this story with you. I sat down with Colby Shinto, who is Ron Artest's agent, I guess most famously, but also the youngest ever female NBA player agent in the world, I believe. So she's a very, very important person a very special person who's making great waves in the sports industry blazing her own trail so hopefully her story is inspiring to some of you guys and you learn a thing or two and get a little insight into the world of the nba because she has some really cool stories to tell so enjoy the episode make sure you subscribed and i'll catch you guys soon Wagwan people, it's your boy Mo back again with another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Lawrence is with me, who in his own hey, right hey, is a very hey, special cool. no guest. No one cares, no one cares, no one cares. In his own right, Lawrence is a very special guest. And today we are joined by the youngest ever female NBA agent, Miss Colby Shinto, coming at us live from Los Angeles. Colby, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I am doing amazing. How about you? Uh, we're good. all good on this side. We're all good. You grew up in Los Angeles, a place where it never rains. Unfortunately, I mean, I like the rain. Um, I mean, I love LA, but I like the rain. So yeah. I kind of wish it rained here more. Yeah. What's it like? I've always been kind of curious what it's like growing up in LA or even just growing up in America in general, but specifically LA, it looks like a, like a really great place to grow up. I agree. I think it is. I mean, I am definitely a city girl. Um, I've only lived in cities like my whole life. Like I lived in San Francisco. I lived in New York, uh, but I always come back to LA uh, mainly because I mean, the weather is nice. I do like that. It's like a city, but it's kind of like a city of suburbs. Um, yeah. So it's like a nice mix. And like, I mean, it's also interesting just like growing up like so close and like firsthand in like entertainment and like such big industries like where it's like you're going to school with like other celebrities kids so it's just like it's just so casual here right so which which part of la are you from then um so it's a small town i feel like a lot of people don't know about it like it's called pacific palisades it's like right between santa monica and malibu a small little suburb right in the middle Lovely. okay so then growing up in la what was your first What's your first memory of the NBA or basketball in general? Because obviously basketball's everywhere. You know, there's courts all over the place. But what's your first memory of the NBA? Were you Lakers or were you Clippers? So, I mean, I grew up Lakers. And I mean, I was extremely lucky. Um, I didn't know it at the time. Like, I was a super lucky kid. So actually, growing up in Pacific Palisades, my next door neighbor was Kobe Bryant. Um, So I have older... What? I know. What? Yeah, I know. What? Casual. I know. Well, that's it. I should have done the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kobe Bryant's neighbor. Like, neighbor. wow. Yeah. I mean, he that's moved crazy. out of the Palisades. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, there was the top of like, there's one point of LA in the Palisades that gets most of LA um, at the top of Lockman Lane. And he grew up next door to me. And I mean, my brothers were, old, I have older brothers that were like, they understood the importance of it. But like, as a kid, I didn't really care, but also like, to be completely honest, like I was kind of annoyed because like my entire life, I got Kobe jokes about my name. And like, to this day, Uh. people call me Kobe (laughs) thinking that's my name. So like, as a young girl, I was like annoyed that people would give basketball jokes about my name about that wasn't actually my name. So, right. But now I'm honored. Now I'm very honored to be mistaken for Kobe. Do you have a story about do you have a story about, you know, living next door to him? Because I can imagine it would be like, you hear his car start at two in the morning for him to drive to the practice gym every day or something crazy like, you know, because there's so many tales of his work ethic and all of that. What was it like being a neighbor? Um, I mean, it was interesting because like, I feel like there's a couple of different memories, actually. Like there was, um, I mean, like my brothers, like we had a basketball hoop in front of our house and like there's a gate. So like there was times where like, our basketball would roll down the street and he would go get it and like bring it back for my brothers. Um, but then also, I mean, like there was a time, I mean, this was years ago before cell phones. And like, there was a time where his car broke down, like in front of our house. So he came in our house to call AAA for his car to come get like 
picked up. Uh, and my brothers were freaking out because they were so hyped that he's in our house. But I mean, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's also times where like, I remember people like kind of storm his house. Like it was the 4th of July and people would watch fireworks because like it did oversee most of LA. And people were like all going, like knocking on his uh, gate, like yelling like Kobe. And like, he was not coming out, but <laughs> everyone was like trying to storm his house. I was like, oh God. If I was a kid, I guess. <laughs> if I was a kid growing up and I knew where Kobe lived, I would literally live in a tent outside the front. That's where I'd be. But um, I mean, so was it technically Kobe actually did kind of live in a tent in front of Kobe Bryant's house? So that's yeah, that's you would literally be neighbors. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so was it that that inspired you to get into the sports industry, or was it having the older brothers, or was it what was it that inspired you to, you know, because we were saying before we started recording. You know, I have all the NBA agents I've met. They typically tend to be older men, you know, rather than, you know, young women like yourself, which I think is truly inspirational. What was it that made you decide that you wanted to go into the sports industry? Um, I think it definitely was uh, having older brothers. Uh, I grew up a tomboy and I was like in the sports, but like, really enough, I feel like skateboarding was actually my thing as a kid. Um, Wow. But yeah, like I think having older brothers, like I grew up a tomboy and like I knew I kind of wanted to be involved in entertainment. Um, it really wasn't until I guess like getting my first job, like with like my, my first job in the sports world was with the Clippers. So I think that's just kind of like after that, I was like, oh, I definitely want to be in basketball specifically because I kind of was open to just doing entertainment in general um, and kind of doing like either PR or marketing for it. But then once I got into basketball, like I loved it and it just kind of stuck. What, what was it that you loved about the basketball side of it? Um, I think it's just like, it is a little bit more like of a family idea where it's like you're working. I mean, at least at that point I was working for like a team. So it's just like, okay, like you're working with like a, people that you kind of like sticking with like through a season. Um, whereas like other industries, like either music or TV or movies, it's like kind of like project to project. And it's like, yeah, you may have like, those immediate people you work with, but like I feel like basketball, like either it's like within a league, so I feel like it's just more close knit, um, right. as opposed to like I yeah, guess you, the other. You get those close relationships, so, I guess, and also like you know when you when you I guess if you're working specifically with a team, I think a lot of people don't realize about like the daily kind of comings and goings and what happens with a team as well. So to see that kind of insight, I think it can be quite alluring sometimes, especially having been yeah. close to like big organizations. I think sometimes when you see it working, you're like, wow, I really want to kind of be part of that, I guess. No, it definitely is really exciting. I mean, because I've, I mean, I've been on like the different aspects. Like I worked for a league at one point, like I worked for a team. Uh, and I mean, at least the team, like, I think it's just like, especially working for the Clippers, where it's like, you kind of know that there's like the inner city rivalry. Uh, mm. So even just like the people that kind of put maybe aside, like which team they're typically rooting for. It's like, you have like a deep with the team you work for. So like, I mean, yeah, I grew up kind of, I guess, like a Lakers fan, but like, I'll always have like a love for the Clippers as well. Like, so like, I don't, I feel like I'm like kind of divided at this point. So were you, what year were you with the Clippers? Was it post or pre Donald Sterling kind of with that whole, whatever happened with that ownership there? Because I feel like, you know, having been inside the organization and being around, you know, their front office and whatnot, for me, the Clippers now are very different to what they were. 10 years ago yeah. so what year are we talking about you were you first started working with them so i actually came in literally immediately after the donald sterling situation um i got hired that summer um and that's like right when i graduated from college so like then i just came in at that point which was like it was pretty cool to see just because at that point that's like when i mean they brought a new ownership they had like all i mean they, they brought a new president but like even like the rebranding the new logo and like kind of seeing how like they basically were starting from scratch, completely building out a team. Um, it was awesome to see. And like the idea of like, oh, we're going to try to target a younger demographic and we're going to bring in like a mascot and all this type of stuff. So it was really dope to be like able to witness like a completely rebuilding of a team. That's awesome. Because from, from your perspective now, do you, if, if we're going to keep it 100, in my opinion, right, from because I'm not from LA, but I've been to LA enough times and I know enough people in LA. I don't really know any Clipper fans. You know, I know people that work for the organization, but I don't know anyone who grew up wishing Same. that they played for the Clippers. 
do you think that the Clippers organization is going to be able to harness an entire younger generation? Because I feel like they were going for it this year with Kawhi and Paul George, mm-hmm. but because of the way that it ended so embarrassingly, I feel like all of their yeah. hard work, and if, if, they were, if they had actually done it this year, there would be a whole generation of kids growing up wearing Clippers jerseys and wanting to be, play for the Clippers. But do you see that actually happening? Because in my eyes, I always say, if I was Steve Ballmer and I bought the Clippers, I would have just moved back to Seattle and just put a team, put the Supersonics back. Because that would have been my move. Because LA is Laker Town. What's your take on that? Um, at least right now, I agree. Um, honestly, I think it's going to either have to wait till like LeBron retires or like the LA, <laughs> That's not like happening. the Lakers just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not at least anytime soon. Uh, but like, I think it's honestly, it's going to be a couple years before then. Uh, at least right now, I think like they're just competing against like such a super team. It's like, yeah, they're trying to build like this team as well. But, um, and like, I get what they're doing. But I also think COVID, like restricting people even in the audience, it's also a lot harder to try to target these younger kids when it's just like, okay, well, like LeBron versus like the Clippers. And like, I mean, uh, it's kind of unfair at the moment. So I would say like, I would say give it a couple of years and wait till LeBron leaves um, the NBA in general. (laughs) And then I think the Clippers having a fair fight. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of an unfair fight anyway, because you're, you're pitting LeBron James one of the most marketable men in sport right now against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, one of which the the guy seems to want to give himself uh, terrible postseason names. The other guy uh, <laughs> doesn't care what you think of him, uh, seemingly, or just wants to send mysterious text messages and somehow only be interpreted <laughs> like that. So it's very difficult to market that, I guess. I agree. Which, I mean, yeah, I think neither of them are, like, necessarily, like, that superstar that LeBron is. And that's why it's just, like, it's easy to love the superstar when he's just so accessible and everywhere. He suits LA in that that sense perfect. Yeah, and uh, Space Mm -hmm. Jam 2 is just... (laughs) (laughs) Icing on the cake. Yeah. So you worked, your first gig in sports was with the Clippers, but... Mm-hmm. You know, for, for those guys who don't know, we introduced you as the the youngest uh, ever female agent in the NBA. For those guys who don't know, you represent Ron Artest, Mayor World Peace, um, or, or Panda's best friend. I'm not too sure what name he would <laughs> prefer to go by right now. But um, he was your mentor growing up. So your mentor was playing for the Lakers, but you took a job yeah. with their rival. Can, how did that go down for you? And how did you first, in fact, meet Ron in the first place? How did that relationship come about? Yeah, so like it was actually it was a really interesting, uh, I guess, situation. So uh, I was when I first got hired for the Clippers, I was also uh, working part time for like Equinox, just like the gyms. And this was that summer before he resigned with the Lakers. And that summer, he was coming in every day, working out, going to play basketball. And it was like early mornings. And typically, that was like when I was just in there, just like working. And then it just became like he was like in there routinely and it was kind of like talking about random things. And like it just happened to be that he actually coached at my old high school. Um, it was after I left, but like we just kind of bonded over that. And I was like, oh, yeah, like you coached at Pally High. I went to Pally High and we started talking about that. And then like I stripped told him one day, I was like, yeah, I actually got a job offer from the Clippers. Um, I'm trying to get into basketball. Do you think this is a good idea? And he was like, yeah, I think it's like a great opportunity. Um, I think you should go for it, especially if you're trying to get into sports and whatever, whatever. And then he was super nice and off the back and was just like, yeah, like I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Like we exchanged contacts and like right off then, like he basically kind of like brought me on as like an assistant. Um, and just so like that, like I was kind of just like around, I guess, basketball as much as possible. Um, and like I was so super hyped because like he did then all of a sudden at the end of that summer, like he got resigned to the Lakers um, and going into the Clippers. Like I told my immediate boss, I was like, hey, like, I know it's kind of a conflict of interest, but like I'm also working for someone that's on the Lakers. And at that point, like my <laughs> boss was super chill. And he was just like, honestly, you probably will get a lot of like shit for it, to be honest, in this office. So like you just keep it on the low. So I did. I just kind of <laughs> kept it really low key that I was also working for the Lakers, um, like indirectly, because I just kind of get more and more involved. So like, so like just kind of kept those two jobs separate as much as possible, even though they're in the same house. Man, your boss is a better man than me because I would have told you to go into that locker room and steal those game plans. I want to see those defensive sets. I want to see what the Lakers are running this year. That's your, You're the insider now. That's what I would have been saying if I was <laughs> in charge. 
a double agent. <laughs> so we so didn't even did know you, they should have taken advantage of it. How did you go from working with the organization then to going into agency and, and representing Ron? I mean, uh, do you call him Ron? What, what do you call him? I mean, I call him Meta uh, just because, I mean, when I first was introduced to him, like he introduced himself to me as Meta. Um, I know he really doesn't care, but also like I do work with like his son, Ron. So like typically like just to make it easier, like I'll call him Meta and his son, Ron. Um, but yeah, I mean, the transition from, I guess, from an organization to like then becoming like super hands-on to working strictly with players. Um, so I left the Clippers and I kind of like picked up and moved to New York with a couple of my friends from college. And when I was in New York, I actually worked for like a soccer league. So like I kind of jumped around a lot. Um, what was the soccer league? I was working league? for a soccer, the North American Soccer League. An ASL, right. Division II okay. soccer. Yeah, yeah, if, So For, I, I for mean, context. I got hired. <laughs> For context, Lawrence is one of the biggest personalities in soccer in the UK. So just my, just for con, uh, he knows all about football and soccer first job and was, all of that. My first job was actually for a, a, I met someone at a, an ASL football pitch, and that's how I got my first football job. So uh, great, good times. We're from similar backgrounds, I guess. Oh no way! But I didn't grow up near Kobe that's Bryant, so, so great, very different backgrounds. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, yeah, I know what a, a hard job it is to work for someone like NASL in that sense, because that that's like oh, that's, uh, you. It, to be fair to you, I think you've probably like carved out a niche of only choosing challenger brands so far in your career. You've gone Clippers into <laughs> NASL. Like, I'm kind of wondering where you go next. The Knicks. It's got to be the Knicks <laughs> next. Yeah, that's the only one left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, the good call. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm up for the challenge, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I yeah, no I one mean, is. It was cool. Yeah, literally. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually love soccer, and I mean, where the I, I mean, soccer was actually the sport I was better at. Like, I'm short, so basketball really wasn't my sport growing up. Like, I loved basketball, but soccer is really where my heart is. Um, I see. Okay. So you you have a team? Do you do you I have did, do you have like a soccer team as well? Um, I like PSG, but I know it's really random. Okay, well, I feel this like has that's been just... a great podcast. Thanks yeah. a lot for joining us, guys. Um, <laughs> we'll see you again soon. I can understand. I guess I now uh, I get the basketball connection. There is, there's obviously the, the Jordan brand connection yeah, and stuff like that. That Jordan well, brand is... thing was awesome. Like the collab was my dream come true because, like, for years I wanted to do um, a basketball soccer collaboration, and then Jordan did it. And I actually like, tried planning a whole charity thing a couple of years ago. It just sadly didn't happen. Especially like most basketball players actually love soccer. Um, yeah. Kobe, yeah, right? uh, most of them are like amazing soccer players, like where they're juggling the basketball before games. Super impressed. Yeah, uh, and I Kobe think it's, sneakers, it's, it's all going the other way now. Kobe sneakers are low tops because mean, he studied the, the football players who wore football boots. And that's why I think they had the Kobe Mercurial edition one year, which was basically a basketball version of the soccer boot that uh, Nike were releasing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think soccer will, those worlds just collide so much. Like even like Jimmy Butler, like he's super involved in soccer as well. Like, right, Steve Nash. Actually, I love it. I'm all for it. Exactly, Steve Nash. Yeah, me uh, too. And you know what? It, it's to I think it's totally happening that a lot of sports are kind of crossing over because I mean, even when the, oh yeah, the Bucks visited Paris not long ago, they went to see PSG Stadium. And you know, I think, you get to this kind of level of superstar internationally where I guess, you know, Neymar looks at a LeBron and those two guys, obviously both Nike guys, but like, oh, uh, Neymar isn't anymore, but he was at the time. He's like, not they both look at each other. Yeah, it's, we can't win it all. But like, it basically like, you know, he, those two look at each other and I guess they can see someone they can relate to because actually mm -hmm. Neymar and LeBron are kind of isolated figures in their industry. Like both those guys are very much at the top of it and very difficult to relate to your fellow star who is you know, on the way up or just below you, whereas LeBron and Neymar kind of enter at, I th think, very similar levels, you know, it must be fascinating behind the scenes. A hundred percent. I think you just like admire someone that's just like, yeah, that at like the top of that sport, it's just right. like, it's this crazy is why we got to be able to witness another idol. Yeah. <laughs> who, who's, who's then your inspiration or who do you look at? You know, if we're talking about the athletes look at each other, who did you look at growing up or who do you look at now that is kind of your idol or someone who really inspires you more than anyone else? 
Um, at least on the agent side, like I definitely have been like following Nicole Lynn for a while. Um, she was the NFL, like she's a female NFL agent. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I know she's been killing it. And like, I mean, I commended her because I know like the NFL is just like also super challenging, but super male dominated. And like, she was in early just doing it. So I was like, good for her that she did it first. And like, I mean, I'm just trying to kind of follow in her footsteps now, I guess. What What's the process then of, you know, because you, you transitioned from working with organizations, working with Clippers, uh, soccer, and a few other organizations, and then you went into the agency side of things, and then you became a certified NBA agent by the Players Association. But for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, you can't just, uh, it's not like a normal job where you can just do an application and become an agent. Just They don't just award it to you. What's the process of actually becoming certified as an agent by the Player Association? I mean, you have to apply um, and like they do like a background check. You have to like give recommendations. And I mean, I was lucky that like technically like I had people from the Clippers and like Meta listed as my references. Um, So I feel like that just kind of helped. But then like you have to go take a test. So they only give it once a year and it's at the headquarters in New York. And it's basically just like memorizing the collective bargaining agreement and like knowing everything there is about salary cap and like trade deadlines and all like all that kind of stuff. Um, just like, I guess like the nitty gritty stuff. So, um, you just have to go take that test as well. And if you pass it, then technically you get certified. Uh, I know the passing rate is very low. Um, and it is pretty challenging where it's like, it's like basically reading a contract is what you have to do to study for the test. So do you have a background in law then? Did you go to law school or what did you study when you, when you went to college? I studied business management and marketing. Um, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer growing up, but um one someone i knew that kind of was like worked in the nba as well like i kind of asked them like if i should go to law school before becoming an agent and they kind of they were the ones that told me it really wasn't necessary um they said just like kind of prolonging it um they were like you really don't need to be a lawyer um most people i know that are lawyers actually don't pass the test weirdly enough and like they were the ones that told me that they're like yeah like the passing rate's kind of lower because i think they're thinking so analytically and like trying to go so by the book that like when you're put in these situations about like, oh, this is salary cap, like, but like there's these um, exceptions, like how much can you really maximize your player? Like I, I was told that, I mean, someone told me that they're like, oh, like lawyers just aren't good at math. <laughs> but I mean, I was like, you know what, if they're telling me that I don't need to have uh, a law degree to go into this, like I'm not going to like whatever, if I need it later down the line, I'll do it. But yeah. You know what? I mean, I Someone told me that not long classes, ago. But... Uh, we've all taken about a couple lawyers of lawyers not being classes. good at math? Well, some, yeah, I, I heard that a while ago, but then I, I once told someone I wanted to be an uh, economist, and the guy was like, look, don't study economics or law. Get good enough at your job, and one day you'll employ people who know about that stuff. And I was like, oh, good advice. <laughs> My world is coming exactly. crumbling down. My Mo, world is crumbling. You, oh, this is cute. Did you study law, Mo? I, I did indeed go to law school. <laughs> oh, you waste, you wasted three years of your life. Because, because do, you know the, that. Do, do you know the actual reason that I went to law school in the first place, right? I looked Please at tell me it was an MBA agent managers. that said to you, you need to go into law. I looked at all the general managers, all the, like, the commissioners, all the owners, all of the agents. And the one thing that like 90% of them had in common was a law degree. So I thought, you know what? If I go and get this... I'm set. And then I went and got it and ended up working in the media anyway now. So it's, I should have just not done it in the first place. So yeah, Colby, <laughs> don't try and play this in any other way. You said what you said. Let's not try and now. Listen, I wish I knew. I wish I knew people that could have told me that back when I was growing up. Unfortunately, I didn't know anyone who knew anything about anything to do with the NBA. So yeah. I'm just fumbling it, trying to ways. wait my way in the world. Do you know what I mean? Different ways, though, <laughs> different ways. You're bringing, you're bringing other, I mean, you know, you make very compelling arguments. And I feel like you you would uh, be fantastic. But I, I guess, uh, that, you know, that, that kind of plays into Colby's point, I think, because, you know, when you don't think outside the box or you have been led down a very specific road, you're more likely to follow that same road. And actually, yeah. I guess, uh, Colby, from everything I've kind of read about you online, a lot of people seem to think, you know, you're more of an out the box thinker. You're kind of uh, thinking in different ways. You're very good at maximizing multiple opportunities and not just sort of going down the traditional representation route. And I guess that's what like the modern representation has to be for basketball players and sports stars. 
I agree. But I think, yeah, I, I definitely get it. Cause like, I definitely was one of those people that thought I had to go to law school um, until the person who literally just stripped told me they're like, I would do it without it. And if you really feel like you, you need really it, then don't go have back to justify it. it. Copy, like stop but trying to justify really it. Don't. <laughs> Mom's just, Mom just wasted years of his life. That's all. That's what we learned from this podcast. That's all we need to know. So, yeah, we're going to move on. We're going to move on from the, the law school. I don't think talk, I right? want to hang in this moment. I want, I want no, to no, stay we're, here we're just moving. for a minute more. <laughs> we're moving on. We're, right now, I've got a what media we're going to we're gonna talk about Producer Alex, you need to put, the, put, put Colby on full screen right now so everyone who's watching on YouTube can see what I'm about to talk Gosh. about. Full screen right now, the hoodie. We're talking about the hoodie. DNA, yeah. doing nothing average. Oh, I don't know if so you were sweet. planning to talk about this on this podcast, but I'm going to ask you about it anyway. Tell the people what's good with DNA, doing nothing average. First of all, I love the motto. I absolutely love Thank the motto. Thank um, but, but yeah, it's, it's your agency and you've just set it up recently or soft launched it recently. Tell us more. Yeah, um, so I guess this is yeah, me officially announcing it for like guess the first time because uh, even a lot of my friends didn't really know. Like I kind of just was doing this for the last year. Um, so I officially started my own agency this past year. Um, it was a lot more work than I thought, like getting a trademark, doing all the paperwork, like doing all like the legalities, all that kind of Shoot stuff. Shooting to law school. Um, but... Law school. <laughs> exactly. The so law this is when law right school <laughs> You needed um, someone like Mo. You studied this. It's amazing. Yeah, I feel like almost accounting more than law, to be honest. Uh, oh, you don't need Mo then. He's a lawyer. Stuff, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you need an accountant for this type of stuff. Um, right. Because like, there's a lot of like little tax things you need to know and all that type of stuff. Right. So yeah, it's a whole process. Um, so I officially launched Doing Nothing Average. Um, it, I have partnered with Metal World Peace as like my mentor and just because I've worked with him for years, which like, I know how he works and he does bring that mentorship idea where it's like, he's all about helping these young players as well. Um, so right now my focus is basketball. Um, I do have a sock, a couple soccer players and a couple NFL guys that I was helping on like the PR and marketing side. So it kind of like brought them under DNA um, as well, just because at this point, I guess it's just easier to keep it all in one house than try to do it consulting individually as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, at this moment, basketball is my focus. I did get FIBA certified as well. So I'm now doing overseas in addition to NBA. I am in the process of just like trying to do like sponsorship and marketing. Um, but you know, still building it is out. It, so is it currently a, is it currently like a sole operation? Like you partnered with, with Metal World Peace, but is it you doing the day to day or do you have a team with you that help you on stuff? Or are you like solely just 24 hours around the clock grinding it out to get everything to happen? Um, at this point, it's kind of like a mix. Um, I mean, technically, like I am working like 24 hours around the clock to get stuff done. Where it's like, also, I want to be hands on. Um, like, at least with the, the people I've worked with and the people that I plan to work with, like, I want to be hands on. Like, I'm not trying to like push them off to people that I work with. Um, I have brought on a couple other people to work with me. Um, like, I just brought on a creative director that has done stuff with like Yeezy and Jordan. So, like, he's design stuff for them and like he does like branding and marketing so like i have just brought on a creative director um to kind of help with like the branding and marketing endorsement side to kind of focus more on that just so that like kind of gives me a little bit more time yeah um, in the process of like kind of building out a team at the moment what do you what do you i mean um it's i, I know it's very difficult to kind of span a lot of different sports but like are you finding that you know being a representative of somebody who's a basketball player is very similar to doing football and you can kind of marry those two quite well or you you know you get your experience in football and then bring like a whole new thought process to basketball um i mean i think there's things that definitely overlap um i mean like i actually couldn't be an nfl agent if i wanted to just because i don't actually have a law degree or my master's um and like i don't really have that intention at the moment anyways but at so least like you really should have tried it like listen if you want to become an I nfl know, agent you can borrow you can borrow my degree. I'm doing nothing with it. You can have my degree. You can go be an NFL agent too. I don't need it right now. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I might borrow you that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, otherwise like endorsement and like branding, like I think it kind of all goes hand in hand and like, I mean, at least like a lot of the clients that like I have had, like, to, like introduce them. Like most of the time they're just friends. So like it makes my life easier when like, they're also friends. And like, if I was doing, I mean, not this past year, but in years in the past, I would like bring them all to like launch events or like PR opportunities. So, like it's just easier for them to be friends as well, to be like, Hey, the soccer player is friends with the basketball player. You guys are friends right. now as well. Like 
it made my life so what kind of to... and 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 obviously you know, you've got meta world peace what kind of level of uh soccer player are you representing um so one of like my main guys is uh his name's shaft brewer he was playing on lafc but now he's actually playing out in norway um cool so yeah i mean he was at the mls level but i am friends with a lot of guys from the yeah. nasl since you know since okay. i was there for a while yeah. I, I understand the <laughs> struggle <laughs> It's quite a cult. I think it's quite a cult following in in NASO as well. Uh, that's cool. I mean, it's it's. I know what a challenge it is. I guess the strange thing for soccer is you're trying to get players from America to Europe, whereas in basketball you're trying to get players from Europe to America. Pretty much, because yeah, I mean, at least like international soccer is just so much stronger than the U.S. Unfortunately, at least right now, I'm hoping the U.S. will catch up eventually. So, so working in both kind of soccer and basketball and all these other sports as well, how, how progressive do you find basketball as a sport in terms of being an agent uh, and kind of representing people in that field? Um, I think like at least in the US, it's like obviously it's super advanced and I think like they're like kind of ahead of their time. Um, and like I know like they're trying to expand more globally and I think they're slowly getting there, um, whether it be like the NBA africa and like nba europe like i know they're trying to expand and trying to tap into those other markets um but like i mean at least on a global scale like i feel like the u.s it's i mean at least with like i think the u.s could take notes from the global scale um because we are definitely not anywhere near the global level of soccer um for multiple reasons just because of like internally there's issues as well it's not even just like the playing level um but so I'd say like basketball is like killing it on that level where it's like we do have like the top of the top. Like we are known for basketball. Like I feel like, I mean, no offense to other basketball players not in the US, but like our Olympic <laughs> games, like we, it's kind of it's kind of like unfair. She said it. When we play in the yeah. like basketball Olympics. <laughs> no, we, we totally so we, we get that. that we've, we've seen product. But, yeah, but so you true. do have to, I will say this though, you do have to factor in, look at the size of America, right? All the states combined to make your team USA. Whereas the European countries, you've got a team for Latvia, you've got a team for Lithuania, you've got a team for Serbia. Imagine if all the European countries solidified as one nation and took on the US, because then you've got Giannis and Luka and Jokic in the same team. And then I don't think it's going to be quite as, as unfairly balanced as, as it currently is. Yeah. So Someone's been experimenting in 2K. That's uh, what I will, I've just done a whole series. <laughs> I just did a whole series about what if all the Europeans played on the same team. But, um, you know, with, with, you know, basketball growing so much globally now, and we are seeing these guys come out of Europe, the Giannis and the Luka and the Jokic, as an agent, that's something else that's been added. Because I imagine traditionally as an NBA agent, you're looking at AAU circuits, you're looking at ABCD camp and all of these young guys coming up in the States. But now your talent pool has just multiplied by 10 because you've got Europe, Africa, Asia, the Middle East, all of these places. How do you keep track and, you know, in terms of scouting them, how do you decide which regions you're going to focus on? Or is that something you have scouts tell you? Or how, how do you decide what you're going to go for? Um, at this point, it's kind of a mix. Like, it's definitely like scouts and kind of like people kind of like recommending, um, especially, I mean, this past year, like with travel just kind of not happening. It's, it's definitely hard to try to go see things firsthand. But also, I mean, like, luckily, like, there is, like, social media. Um, so, like, even, like, scouts or other people, like, kind of, like, if you deep stalk, like, you kind of find some players through that. Um, <laughs> just, like, most of the time people will put, like, their own highlight reels on their Instagrams or something. So that's also been ways I've, like, kind of discovered some players. I'm like, oh, this kid looks solid. Like, maybe in a couple of years, like, they'll be able to, like, come to the U.S. and play. Um, so there's definitely some people on Instagram that I've found, but also mainly a lot of scouts at this moment, especially with COVID restrictions, you know. So listen, Lawrence, when your son grows up, this is this is the phone call I'm making. I'm saying, Colby, listen, i got a prospect coming out of London right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Lawrence Jr. Oh, yeah. is, is going to be a baller. So, you know, he's get ready. Tall. Thank <laughs> you very much. Uh, yeah, he's a tall kid. Thanks a lot for protecting his name as well. I appreciate that. Um, so, but then you've also... Yeah, he, got, he, got Lawrence's the... son isn't really called... Sorry. Lawrence's son is not he, really called Lawrence Jr. I just thought, you know, yeah. let me just yeah. keep the privacy there in case anyone thinks Lawrence is on an ego trip naming his kid after him. I, I am on an ego trip. The, um, yeah, I, I guess um, the, I'm, I'm curious about the other side of it as well because obviously you've taken... You've got, you got Meta World Peace around you as well. Um, and that's, he's a pretty fascinating character in the first place. 
and so to kind of be associated with him and you know giving uh him advice and i guess you know being part of his council as well is a very different challenge to finding um you know fresh budding talent isn't it yeah i mean it's it's cool though because i mean at least with him too like he is super involved with like the young guys and i mean even mm -hmm. his sons both play and stuff so it kind of is keeping me in that loop um just through them both playing in like college right now um but like he's super involved actually with like hosting runs and like i mean he just came out with an app that's like all about kind of helping guys get more opportunities and like finding runs um so like at least on that level like he is super involved and like interested in the young guys that are still playing so <laughs> at least on that level like we have conversations about players because like he's up to date on most of that as well do you have any challenges you know because a lot of casual fans i guess you know casual fans if you say the name ron artest to them two things spring to mind and they're not necessarily the most positive things. So we'll, we'll phrase it like that. Do put you, it this way. He grew you, up in the palace and you grew up in the palace. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do yeah. you ever encounter, yeah. you know, because obviously your, your job is to market <laughs> these guys and, and represent them and do their publicity. Do you experience any challenges as anyone you ever try and collaborate with or work with have an initial reaction that isn't what you would quite expect or are those incidents kind of forgotten about now and been moved on from um at least at the moment like i think most of the stuff's kind of moved on um i mean ron switching his name to meta i think kind of did give a little bit of cushion between the two uh, and i think just like most of the stuff that he works on in like his own personal projects whether it be like this app or his clothing brand like i think he's tried to like kind of distance himself from his past um and i mean just firsthand i can tell like i mean his day-to-day -day, like it's it's kind of crazy to think that that's who he was uh, because it just seems so unlike him but mm -hmm. there are days I mean not necessarily with him but there are situations where it's like I'm very like I'm not gonna lie I'm a strict mom on my clients <laughs> where, wow. <laughs> I'm a very strict mom on my clients where it's just like I'm always kind of just like retelling them like hey be aware that there's always cameras on you that like you whatever you put out there is out there forever like other people out there putting stuff out about you so yeah i mean i think i'm probably annoying to them but i'm, I'm definitely that strict mom that's kind of just like on top of them like mm, be, be aware who's that, around you yeah a lot so. of people don't realize how important that role i think can be for a lot of people because i think especially in the like in the modern world it it must be a real challenge especially for someone you're representing someone so big like that they're all these different people want to get to them but also people want to take so much stuff from them you have to mm -hmm. also be up on all these different ways that people can get to and from them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think like the younger kids almost have it harder. Um, like the mm -hmm. now this generation, which I feel like I've always heard that for years, where it's like there's so many pros and cons to like things being so accessible and like cameras all on your phone and everything. So like, I mean, these kids do have a lot more to be careful and like they have so much more risk because it's like it literally takes one video or someone else to take this video or security camera catching something that can like ultimately ruin your career. Um, so yeah, the challenges are that come with, I mean, progress, I guess. Yeah. Are you kind of pro or um, like what's your, what's your approach to social media with clients and those kind of people? For the most part, I think there's a lot more positives than negatives. Um, because at least if you're doing it smart, like that is a great brand opportunity. Like that's basically how a lot of people are getting endorsement deals and marketing deals uh, is buyer following. So if you can like, and it's like an easier way to connect with their fans. Like I do know a lot of these players that actually like will like go in their DMs and respond to people's DMs. Like if people ask them questions or like ask for like an autograph or it's like I've seen players that like all, will actually personally respond. So like it does kind of make that connection just like a lot closer and like, even fans being able to follow a person's like day-to-day -day life where it's like, Oh, this person is live streaming or like they're on live right now. Like, what are they doing? It just kind of like breaks down that barrier of like TV to fan where it's like, it connects yeah. them a little easier. I think the relatability yeah. is what's making a lot of these guys so popular now because you can literally mm -hmm. tune in and watch your favorite NBA player play in Warzone, or you can tune in and you know, like LeBron's yeah. bumping new albums on his Instagram all the time or whatever it is. You know, you've got a level of access with the players. I did a show earlier today talking about the Dream Team from 92 and how it was like a massive deal 
when they came to the Olympics and there's thousands and thousands of people. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen now, but I'm saying you knew so much less about the guys that it was just the mystique around them before social media was so much more. Whereas now you've got, you know, certain guys, you're saying they'll reply to fans, but there are some guys who will reply to trolls and get into, you know, I've seen players who are like streaming live on Twitch and people are trolling in the comments. And then you've got an NBA player who's a grown man cursing out a 12 year old kid who's commenting on his live stream. And it's just an awkward situation. So trying to find the balance between it being productive and, and being harmful, I think it's quite tricky, but um, just to go back to, mm-hmm. to DNA, doing nothing average in your agency, where do you see it in 10 years' time from now? What's the goal? Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? Is there a dream client or a dream brand that you'd want to work with and collaborate with? What's the vision for it? So in the next 10 years, like I hope that like I have other people that are kind of like specializing in other sports. So like I'd love to bring someone in that specializes in soccer, someone to specialize in NFL and like golf and like kind of like, I guess, not necessarily like more popular sports, like even like tennis and boxing. Uh, but I do want to keep it like a kind of that boutique feeling of the agency where it's like still is kind of that close brand um, and be kind of selective, I guess, on who we bring in as clients. Uh, but also, I mean, like in 10 years, I'd really love to also like expand into the other entertainment industry. So like, I mean, someone I've even like just recently talked with, like they're in TV and film and I'd love for them to like eventually come on and take over that division and like collaborate on that and then probably bring someone in to do music because I mean, these worlds overlap so much as it is. Like you see so many NBA players releasing albums. So like those worlds already are colliding. It's just like, I would love to be doing it in house where it's like, okay, we have people that are in music that specialize in music, but then, Hey, you can help the basketball players that want to release an album. Um, or- or like, hey, player wants to get into TV. We have someone that is kind of like specialized in that. So would love to eventually kind of just like, yeah, bring everything in together yeah. um, on every entertainment front. It really does seem like Kobe had a massive influence on you. Like you go from basketball into the entertainment industry. This is just Mama this, mentality. This yeah, growing up in that area must have just given you guys some there sort was, of, there, yeah, I'll just take over the something in the water, bro. There was something in the yeah. water in that neighborhood, I'm telling you. That's a, it's something that's gone into her DNA. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out the corny jokes. But, but for real, no, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, for anyone who's listening and they want to learn more about you, they want to check out your stuff, where can they find you out online? My Instagram is my name, Colby Shinto, uh, which is C-O-L-B-Y-S-C-H-I-N-T-O. Um, I know I have a weird last name, but Instagram's probably the easiest way to connect with me, to be honest. Uh, cool. Yeah, everything else. You're, you're going to get all these young European players now posting their own highlight reels, trying to follow you, to try and get signed to the agency. Hey, just, yeah, <laughs> tag me in it. I do watch them all. Honestly, like, I, I get, yeah, I get tagged in a lot of videos of, like, young guys playing basketball. I'm like, I will watch them all. Um, like give them advice are you like an overtime kind of watcher or like what's the kind of what's the hot place to pick up the next big talent then is there any particular account that you're following like oh um i mean i feel like a lot of ball is life um that's Mm -hmm. i guess usually the one i'll watch a lot of um other than that i mean i feel like a lot of it's just like super nba focused which isn't bad like obviously like i love watching nba stuff but like to find out young guys it's just like also just kind of like going through like the rabbit hole to be honest like where one person goes to the next is the next so it's i think all that type of stuff is it's cool to find it organically i guess i guess that's also so different to being able to not like you know the old world you had to navigate through an agent or you know you had to find this you had to find that a lot of people are stuck in that old way of doing things you got the the added benefit of actually being able to use social media which is huge compared to a lot of agents 100 percent. i think that's actually like i mean some of the people that I still talk to that like even this last draft, like some of them, how I got connected to them was through social media, where it's like some of these guys, um, like even one guy that like I've been cool with for a while and like now he's potentially going to the NBA. Um, he reached out to me on Instagram a couple of years ago, inviting me to his tournament just to come check him out. And I did. Wow. And now he's going to the NBA. So it was like, it was a cool experience to be like, he really hit me up on Instagram to come. And now, I mean, hopefully That's I'll represent crazy. him in this NBA draft. That's amazing. And, and that's the social media you has have, its pros. Yeah, because you're one of the few. Because most agents as well are a lot older. You're one of the few. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to ask your age, but you're under thirty. So you have kind of 
you're in almost the same generation as a lot of these guys coming in to the league and you can relate to them in a way and you can probably speak to them in a way that a lot of older people couldn't, you know, and you're looking at agents who are, who have been around in the, in the agency game for 30, 40 years, they probably don't even know how to use the Instagrams or the TikToks or whatever it is going around. And now you, players will have someone that can speak to them in their language, you know? So I feel like that's, yeah. that's a huge advantage. No, I, and that's why I became an agent to be honest. It was actually, I mean, it was in the soccer industry, but like one, my good friend that the soccer player I worked with, like had no communication with his agent and like had no idea it was in his contract. And I was like, well, why don't you doing brand deals? Like you could be posting this on your Instagram, but like, like, yeah, like what you said, a lot of these agents aren't really kind of tapped into like maximizing social media to get brand deals. And like, they're not really thinking of those other options because or like Twitch, because like, I mean, I wouldn't have known what that is, but like all these people I know that are in that industry, like, the young guys that I hang out with are in that space. So it's like knowing what's even out there just by kind of being in that same age demographic has definitely helped for sure. Um, Extremely lucrative on Twitch. Extremely lucrative yeah. Twitch deals out there. Um, and Lawrence I, is sponsored I, I, by Twitch. <laughs> what? I don't, what? <laughs> I don't know what anyone means. Lawrence, has, um, Lawrence has only got positive things to say about his new response. I've only got positive things got, to say about Twitch, Twitch and Amazon as well. Um, I guess, I guess that's kind of thing is like how many, uh, you know, I guess there are a lot of agents who might be hitting you up sort of going, can you show me how to do this thing on Instagram or uh, this kind of thing over here? And that is invaluable. I think for a lot of people, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, at least right now, like, honestly, I think like, I mean, agent industry is kind of like competitive where it's like other agents definitely are not about to hit me up, uh, which I get it. There's not much uh, of a fraternity kind of thing. Sorry, what was that? There's not much fraternity or like there's not much kind of, you know, I don't want to say brotherhood because that sounds like it's excluding you, but you know what I mean? I mean, I think there is, but like, I think honestly, being young and being a woman, I do think I'm excluded to be completely honest with you. Um, right. so like, I think it's just because they've already also made it. They've also made it. So I think it's just like... Mm -hmm they kind of up at this level and I'm, I'm still building to get there. Um, yeah. which is fair. I think it's just like, you got to pay your dues. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, at least, at least at this point, like I'm, I'm not in that frat yet, but one day. I, I know we're, yeah, I know we're running way over time because we've got so many questions for you, but I've got one more. <laughs> okay. We've got one more for okay, you. <laughs> now, now well peace, big boxing fan on his Insta, he posts about boxing all mm -hmm. the time. He was photographed with, Dennis Rodman, but the legendary Mike Tyson. And I think Zab Judah yes. was there as well, not too long ago. Now, my question to you, mm -hmm. as, as the person who represents Melwell Peace, please, can you allow Melwell Peace to avenge our brother, Nate Robinson? Because the NBA world took a big L and it you know, I, feel like, I feel like balance needs to be restored to the force. You say this, but who's he fighting? I like, agree. Who are you picking here? The kid uh, who beat Nate. Yeah, no way. Uh, Paul Logan. Logan Paul. Yeah. Very, it's very close. I've got to admit, I'm impressed. Um, Jake, Jake Paul. His brother's uh, fighting Mayweather. So Logan, Logan's about is... to fight Mayweather. I feel like these two brothers have kind of got like some sort of boxing pedigree here. Can we as an NBA community not just, and I'm obviously coming from the YouTube community as well. The two worlds just need to learn to coexist. Stop. We're not going outside We're like that, though. Like... Ask any yeah, hooper. Listen, if you take an L, you I run agree. it back. If you take an L, you run it back. Yeah. We need to run it I back. And then when, when we win, back. we can never do it again. I get that. I'm not saying, exactly. saying Meta World Peace can't do this, but I'm just saying how many times do we need to run it back before we learn that the poor brothers are very good at boxing? They, they wouldn't be Mayweather like, Peace, though. Let, let's be very I clear. I also don't think they're going to beat Mayweather, to be completely honest with you as well. So Bro, I think they're going to You know what? They, they did honest, pick the smallest NBA player ever. So they did. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, having said that, I've I've seen Logan box. I've also seen Jake box. And if anyone knows uh, anything about Mayweather, we all know this guy ain't no knockout artist, and he's taken part in a super exhibition, whatever the hell that means. So neither of those guys are getting knocked out. They're just securing the bag. Or well, this isn't a question. All I'm saying is, if you do get him involved in that match just make it a super exhibition nobody's getting knocked out you're just all making money uh, I'll make exactly. much, if you if you yeah. see the size of, of Ron Artest in real life th these kids are running out of the ring they there's one thing to find a Robinson Mayweather piece you don't want that smoke that's that's what I'll say 
but I get you know, it. I, I agree. Yeah. Like I, mean, I, <laughs> I know I'm biased, but like, I mean, and the thing is, Meta is a huge boxing fan, um, and he said if he trained for a couple of years, he would be willing to do it. So, and I think Meta could for sure beat him. I mean, Meta has Easy. a different mentality as well when he's in, when he's committed to sport, like he's a different person when he's on the court and I can only imagine like he is really close, good friends with Mike Tyson. So he's been open to going to boxing before. So I would love to see and, that and actually. And Snoop Dogg's just signed a deal to start his own boxing league where he's going to commentate. So if you're telling me you can have Mel World Peace with Snoop Dogg on the commentary, that's something I would love to see. But, you YouTubers. know, before we take, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> And then Rob isn't cheering on from the sideline. This, this, is, what I said. this is what I was going to say earlier is the one thing that Colby has that no one else in the world has is if anyone is ever disrespecting you, you can make one phone call. Just say, just say, hold on. You know how most people is like, all right, I'm going to call my cousin. I'm going to call my brother. You can say, wait, wait there for one second. Yeah, 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 Matt, come, come down here. And, it, and <laughs> it's then the thing is they, you ever again. They hear, they hear you on the phone and those guys, they're, they're like, hold on a minute. I think she's saying something about world peace. And they're like, oh, don't worry, it's chill. <laughs> Next thing you know, Ron's rolling up and everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but yeah, we, we won't take up any more of your day with these ridiculous scenarios. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys, everyone Thank who's you. listening. Make sure, make sure that you guys are subscribed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Colby, thank you for providing the genius to the Hoop Genius podcast with your expertise into the world and life of NBA agents. We're hoping to have you back on in the future. We're excited to see how doing nothing average grows as an agency and we're looking forward to seeing lawrence jr being signed to your agency and becoming the uk's greatest Absolutely. ever nba superstar but anyway thank that you guys yeah. uh, <laughs> thank you both for your time thank, thank you, you everyone for listening and as always get buckets <laughs>